Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to 4Play Radio. All right, everyone. Last time we were talking about female sexual withdrawers. This time we're going to check into the world of a male sexual withdrawer. Hey, you're listening to Foreplay Radio for couples and sex therapy, and I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your marriage therapist. We want to take a wide lens on sexuality and talking with you about what we've learned as experts in the field on how you bring your body your mind and your brain to the sexual experience. We want to expand people's perspective of just talking about sex, that it's not something to be avoided, it's actually something to embrace and to lean into with an openness to be changed by what you hear. So, Laurie, I want to give you a little example of a couple I was working with and let's hopefully you could jump in and give me some direction. Okay. The husband was the sexual withdrawer. Right. The couple reported having a pretty good love life. And as the years added up, the the husband started to show less and less interest in sex. How old is he? He was uh, 45 years old. And his wife, he understood sex was a way that she wanted to connect and stay in shape and have fun. And she liked having sex and if they're tired or not and over time, he started to feel a pressure to be there when he always felt closer afterwards, and he knew it was a good thing, but it just kind of getting going was a little bit difficult for him. Right. Then he has started having some sexual dysfunction problems, being able to stay aroused, and you know, so by the time I saw them, he was, he was avoiding sex. Mm-hmm. But what was really confusing to his wife is he still was watching pornography and masturbating on the side. So he still seemed to have some sexual libido. But when it came to their marriage, he really never initiated, felt all this pressure. Mm-hmm. So you, you've given us a lot of clues already that, I mean, one of the things you were aware of is he's having problems with performance. If I were looking at a 45-year-old man who comes in and says he's a sexual withdrawer or he's not interested in sex, low-desire guy, first thing that I think about doing my assessment, I'm kind of looking at him physically. I know that a guy who maybe is carrying at 45, 10 to 15 pounds of belly weight, it's going to be really problematic on his erections. Because belly weight is kind of the first sign of the metabolic syndrome. And one of the first places that men notice it is in their erections. So 15 pounds at 45, by the time he's 50, 
it's a huge problem. He'll need Viagra. Even at 42, 10 pounds, if that's his trajectory, that's a problem. And, and it's no, not talking about his attractiveness, really, but I'm, I'm always looking for that because I know that that's going to be a problem. And so this guy that you described, he sounds a little tired to me. A lot of times men, they start working, they're putting all their energy into work, they forget about self-care, forget about exercising, they forget about how important that might be, and they don't even think that it's that important for their love life. So that could be one part. And I kind of assess the body first because I know that some of those blocks are resolvable and more easily understood if I can get them right away. So the first thing I'm looking for after I assess just how he looks is I want to figure out if he has low T, low testosterone. And it's not statistically going to be very low at 45, but it's possible that there's an anomaly. So a lot of times what I'll ask a guy like that is when you're by yourself, obviously he's using porn, is everything good? Is everything fine? Sometimes with people, I, it depends on how open they are, if I'll use the word masturbation or not. I just want to make sure I'm following you from last time. Are you still doing that same assessment, oh, please? No, I'm not. Okay. So I'm doing a different assessment for men. Okay. Because first, the first thing that I, I want to know for a woman, if she has orgasms, and I'm just going to assume that a man does, although not necessarily with his partner, but I'm going to assume that overall he does. If he doesn't, he's going to tell me that right up front. Okay. Yeah. So first, I want to just check physiology. Is it possible that he already has ED for physiological reasons? And does he have low testosterone? And some of the way I ask that is, how is it by yourself? So if he has a fine erection by himself, we're probably good. I also ask sometimes, depending on the openness, is does he have morning erections? Because if he has a morning erection, he's got tea. So that's good. And if you don't have a morning erection? So... So that wanes with age in general. It doesn't necessarily mean low testosterone, but at 45, he probably should be having them, especially if he has enough desire to masturbate. So that tells me he has some sense of subjective desire. So I know that's actually pretty good, but I'm, I'm also so looking at we have at a him. saying in a firehouse, the plumbing is working. <laughs> You're checking out for that. Okay. I am definitely checking out the plumbing. Okay. <laughs> And I know that from what you've told me is he's struggling with performance. So a lot of reasons that men withdraw from sex is because of performance issues, not desire issues. Women often withdraw because of desire issues. But men, if they can't perform, they think if they can't have an erection, which to me is very different than whether they can actually perform or not and make her happy. But if they don't have an erection or what is in their mind like a ready-made erection, right? They, they want to come into the moment already there. And as men age, that it isn't always like that. Sometimes they need stimulation. 45, you're right on the edge there. So I, I kind of want to be really sensitive when I'm talking to him about these kinds of things, because no man wants to admit in front of another woman or, or probably in front of another man, yeah, you know, the plumbing's not working. Some, some guys are really open, but I'm going to assume this guy wasn't. So that's kind of where I begin. Right. 
I'm sure you covered it on the previous shows, Emily Nagoski's work around the brake and the gas pedal. So that's part of your assessment. What you're saying is this guy's, he has desire, the gas pedal's working okay. He Mm -hmm. wakes up with a morning erection. He can look and masturbate to pornography, but there's something in his marriage that's putting on a brake, right? That's kind of stopping the pressure, the performance. And that's really what we're going to go to try to figure out that context of exploring that brake and figuring out ways to free that up. Right, exactly. So we want to figure out what the break is, why not with his wife. A lot of times I think two men start to struggle with performance issues and it's incredibly normal to have that happen. I mean, so normal. And so many guys are caught unaware of that and they're anxious. And unfortunately with erections, if you have one failure and you get anxious about it, it leads to more failures. And so, I mean, it's kind of like, don't think about pink elephants. I mean, it's a really hard thing to get through to them about. But as we talk, I mean, it's the co-regulation of his partner that heals that. So we want to form a team between the two of them. I think with a guy who is not approaching his wife, you know, there's certain things I want to check on. Just, is there somebody else? We know there's porn, but is there energy that's going to an actual person somewhere else? One of the things with porn is, I'd love it to be just porn these days, but sometimes it's chat rooms. It's, I mean, it goes so far beyond porn these days or magazines. I mean, it could be real live interactions that absorb an emotional energy as well. So I want to know when he says porn and is he able to talk about that? I mean, oftentimes the partner is really angry. You know, he's using porn and she's her and she's rejected. So it's very hard in the beginning to talk about it. It's also hard to understand what he gets out of porn. Is it a type? Is it a fantasy? Is it a type of sex? Is it? And you want to do that sensitively because I don't want to offend her. I don't want to put her off or make her feel like, well, you're just not his type, you know? Let's right. throw our hands up right now, right? Well, there's something to be said about the results that are delivered predictably through the pawn. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to masturbate and have a, an orgasm and there's no pressure, it's a sure thing, right? As, as compared to his marriage and the, this sex with his wife is loaded with all this sense of failure and rejection. And, you know, that's probably not going to happen with the pawn. Exactly. And, and I think that's one of the reasons men use porn, because it's so easy. Their body works. And that is reassuring. You know, nobody is telling them they did it wrong. And they're always open for it. The picture or the film or whatever they're looking at is always up for it. And there's, there's absolutely no risk and no vulnerability in it. So is it easier you were talking last time about the female sexual withdrawer who can't access her libido. Here's mm-hmm. the male who can access it but can't channel that towards his partner. Right. So is it easier to get him heading back towards his marriage? Is I think it depends. I, I probably I knew you think, were going to say that. I know. I'm sorry. I think that a male sexual withdrawer is working against his biochemistry. Right, his biochemistry, if he has good testosterone, he's working against that to express that in the marriage. So that, to me, tells me that there's some counterforce that is really powerful because testosterone is so powerful. I mean, it's, it is moving him in, in huge ways compared to a female and her levels of testosterone. I'm going to show you, George, but 
So a man's testosterone looks like this. I wish we had Madison here to take the picture. But there's this much. And when a guy is, it's like 1,000 to 300 nanograms per deciliter is what the measurement is of normal testosterone. So when he's at 300, he says, I have low libido. And I say, what does that mean? And he says, I don't have morning erections. I, when I'm having sex, I'm having trouble keeping my erection. When I use Viagra, it doesn't always work that well. And if I have a fight with my wife, I don't want to do it. So in essence, at 300, he is acting much like women act. Yep. And so a woman actually starts with 70 nanograms per deciliter of testosterone in her blood when she's 18 years old. By the time she's 40, it's in half. That's 35. By the time she's menopausal, 0.2 is considered normal. So, I mean, we are talking very, very different body chemistries. And I really think that what I've learned as a sex therapist and as a couples therapist is that this level of hormones impacts our psychology. So mm -hmm. let's say this guy comes in and he's, if he tells me, uh, I'm having trouble with performance. I, I don't have much desire, but he's masturbating twice a week. I, I'm not that worried. But if he says I'm masturbating once a month, mm -hmm. then I want his testosterone checked. But so this guy, not that particular character, but I might so have let's, testosterone So let's checked. go with the character that he's got high testosterone. Okay, he's got right. high testosterone. He's not, he's, that's not the problem. It's not biophysical. Yep. It's, there's something else. There's something else. What, what's your theory of change? So, How are you going to help? So this, we have to figure out what has happened between the coupleship. Like my most important question is when did it change? Do either of them know when it started to change? I mean, for a lot of people, it could be progressive. And I don't think that progressive diminishment of eroticism is what's natural. I think that it doesn't have to be that we can actually grow in safety with each other and sex can get better. But I think that a lot of people don't prioritize that. They're not intentional about it. And so it does get progressively lower in their relationships. So sometimes they don't know, but, but maybe there's a moment. Maybe it's when my wife had our first child, suddenly I felt all this pressure about making a living and providing for my family. And so he channels all his energy into his work and I say the work is basically the mistress. He still feels sexual desire in his body, but he channels all of that energy into producing for the family, which is ironic. Like if you were to ask him, right, he's essentially a withdrawer in both ways, and he's going to say, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, I'm doing everything I can to make this happen. Or maybe there's this moment of maybe it was a performance failure. Maybe it was a rejection he comes to her at some point and she's too tired, something. And it's weird, but sometimes single incidents and single episodes can wound somebody in a way that they take this kind of vow that says, I'm shutting down. I'm not going to be vulnerable again. I'm not going to risk. And if there's not that one moment, it's more accumulative impact. Which it often is. Then I, I want to know what happens. I want to know what they do in bed. What is he like? What is he not like? What is he afraid of? And you can't ask a sexual withdrawer just like you can't ask an emotional withdrawer, what are you afraid of? That would be a horrible question in the beginning. But eventually, kind of chip by chip, 
I can begin to hear that and I'm looking for that because there is often an origin and sometimes it's the way she approaches. Sometimes it could be he's not as attracted to her. It turns out we all age and there is difficulty, I think, in our idealism about who we're attracted to when we're young and who our partner becomes. I mean, I think there is difficulty in conservation, the principle of conservation. Like, I know who you are, no matter what happens to your body, how you look, I still know who you are. Like, you are who you are in my heart to me. And that's a principle of conservation, right? We, we learn that as children, when your brother pours Coke into the skinny cup and pours Coke into the fat cup. It may be the same number of ounces, but we have to learn that. So let's come back and talk about some more with the mail withdrawer after the break. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. Hey, I want to let you guys know all about George. He's written and contributed to several books, and I'd especially like to draw your attention to his book, Sacred Stress, a radically different approach to using life's challenges for positive change. His book is about a mission on how you adopt new strategies and turn stresses into a positive force in your life. And who among us doesn't live with a lot of stress these days? We'll keep you posted as to all he's doing. But George and other EFT therapists all around the country and the world hold couples retreats called Hold Me Tight, which is developed by Sue Johnson, and it helps secure your own relationship. If you'd like therapy with George, find him at georgefowler.com. So it sounds to me very similar with both the female or male, which are that you're trying to help them lean into themselves and get curious, try to identify what's blocking this natural process. Mm -hmm. That if the male is able to have an orgasm but can't with his partner, then something's blocking it. Right. So how are you going to, I think you've done a good job of explaining how you might identify that in different settings. How are you actually gonna work through that block to kind of free up that, that desire? First, I want to know when it does work. Like, we know it works in porn, that he has desire, he has erections, it's all good. So um, you'll ask questions like, what turns you on? What kind of, what, what, what really gets you engaged in the process? Mm-hmm. How do you like touch? What does it feel like? Yep. Get them more in touch with their body. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of men particularly, who become sensitive to performance anxiety, they don't feel anything anymore. They literally go numb. They're in their head. They're in their head. They're not in their body. And so that's difficult. You know, so I'll want to know what touches he can feel. Can he feel oral sex? Can he feel manual stimulation? Can he feel when he's having intercourse? What is he thinking? I want to know what he tells himself. Is he telling himself destructive messages? And I want to know how he experiences his wife. A lot of women make up in their heads that if he's not erect, she's not attractive. And so that's a a terrible myth that becomes really self-funding in a way that's toxic. 
she may be saying to herself, don't I turn you on anymore, which of course just increases the pressure. And so I want him to be able to tell her, especially if he does find her attractive, that he does and that this has nothing to do with it. But sometimes he needs to be able to come forward verbally with his words, with reassurance. And I think a lot of men shut down if they're having ED or something. They, they won't necessarily talk about how hot she is because then it's going to start sex and then he's going to fail. And so he won't do that. And I think this is more classically what you do with the withdrawers emotionally, right, is trying to help him express sort of his, his inner world so that it can be reassuring to her and then she can learn to encourage him more softly with what she likes about him. She likes his body. Most women don't climax with sexual intercourse. So he can still make her really happy in many different ways. But is he doing that? Probably not. Well, the target's really important. If the target is the orgasm, then there is a lot of pressure. But if the target is just to connect and to enjoy each other's space and touch, mm -hmm. then that becomes much more doable regardless of the orgasm. Mm -hmm. So are you seeing the same opportunity you talked about earlier for the, for the male to go into their vulnerability, to talk about their fears if they failed and what that means about themselves and feeling less than, to kind of share those parts of themselves to get their, their wives to reassure them, to recognize that the risk that they're taking, it's only because they care so much about the relationship that they're putting this pressure on themselves. So that reassurance from their partner that can keep their focus on them saying, hey, regardless, you're still wanted and cherished and special. I mean, that's where the, the vulnerability becomes that doorway into connection. Exactly. And I also want them to open up in the body because men with performance issues get very focused on their penis. And so they don't feel the rest of their body. And it, they, they don't allow good feelings to happen that are sort of less pressure. They just get focused on the moment. And you said orgasm focused. I would also add sexual intercourse focused. A lot of men think it's a successful moment if we've had sexual intercourse. And I, I don't think that women necessarily believe that sex is successful if they've had intercourse. I mean, it could be many things, and it could include orgasms. And just for the record, men can have orgasms without erections, so he could even have an orgasm, even with just touch. I haven't heard that one. I would see him learning some every day. <laughs> I saw your face. A man could have an orgasm <laughs> without, without an, an erection. erection. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, so, so she can touch him. He can still climax. And he can touch her. You know, well, they could also masturbate together. They could do it together. I mean, there's a thousand variations. When people have flexibility, I say that flexibility is sex insurance. So if they have that kind of flexibility, they can have pleasure. But these issues basically constrict sex, as does the emotional cycle, the toxic cycle, constrict emotional sharing this constricts sexual sharing in a way that couples get really rigid, no pun intended. And uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, so it shuts them down. But I think the last thing I would end on is could I before you end? I just, you go. The gender piece. It, it's just interesting how we focus more on the emotional, the spiritual, the intimate, the vulnerability when we're talking about the female side of this, mm -hmm. right? And, and the male, it seems like we're emphasizing more the physical and the biological and 
Okay, you got to help me here, George, because if I am overemphasizing that, I, I want to hear. I, I'm not sure you or that's just a condition, and I've received, but yeah. it's you know it seems like there isn't a lot of room for trying to. You're talking about getting a male back into their body, which is incredibly helpful, mm-hmm. you know. And part of that process is also to get more emotionally engaged to really understand these these places of their own fear of helplessness or, you know, it's so counterintuitive to want to head towards those places. So if you have an emotionally avoidant male who's also sexually avoiding, you know, that's a massive amount of avoidance in someone's life, right? So And both pieces, right? Exactly. Uh, No, I agree with you. I think the last thought I would have is that there's something that goes on inside men, many different parts of them that are sexual. They're could be, I know one guy talked about this 16-year-old boy part that was really anxious about approaching a a girl. He also talked about a caveman who Mm. was very sexual all the time, always thought sexual thoughts, and yet he never let that out because he believed through another aspect of himself that that denigrated women. So he lost his sexual energy because he muted that part and then the anxiety on top of it. I mean, it, it's just, I love listening to people's minds, all their different parts inside and kind of putting it together. But it's definitely something that I think men get a really terrible message about that somehow or another their sexual energy, their sexual drive is toxic and bad. And, and this is a difficult culture to be male in. It's a nice erotic playground when many parts of you could come out. So it's nice to be, you could be the caveman and the little boy and you could be the firefighter rescuer and you could also be the confident lover or somebody who just needs some cuddling, right? There's so many parts of who we are sexually and to get that safe space to explore that really makes such a big difference. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for listening to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. Hi, Foreplay fam. The biggest support you can give us is sharing our podcast with a friend. You can find us also on socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we'd love your questions and feedback and really do use these to guide our show. We'd also love it if you'd rate and review us. If you're interested in learning more about us and our mission, look us up on our hot new website, foreplayradiosextherapy.com. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.